You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. So we are big fans of the book by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And we have heard a lot of people who have referred back to that book. If you haven't read it, we do recommend it. It's a good book. He looks at some corporations who have been gone through periods of great success. And then they went inside and said, like, what is helping you to be successful? And they find some really cool concept. There's like the hedgehog concept to focus on the things that you're really good at. But there's one of his concepts that gets a lot of airplay that we want to talk about today. And it's this idea of start by getting the right people on the bus and then put them in the right seats. That's the concept. That's the statement. We have been hearing that a lot lately, and we're going to push back on that a little bit. We don't think that's entirely true. Maybe it's not about just finding the right people. Maybe companies need to be careful about going out and just saying, if I just find a whole bunch of wonderful people out there and bring them into my company, then I can figure out what to do with them later and we'll be wildly successful because we often see that it's not set up for success for the people. And what the heck is a wonderful person anyway, right? So that a lot of that is a, is a lack of definition. We're going to explore that topic together. We've got our whole team with us here. We've got Diana, Diana from the West Coast out here. What is West? Hello. What do West Coast people say when they say hello? Uh, hi. It. I mean, it's still the United States. So. Oh, it's the same. It's is it? pretty much the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Weird. Right. Fun Thank fact. You. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Well, hi, or as they say in Seattle, hi. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> <laughs> All right. And then we've also got Stephanie Anderson, who's here with us. Stephanie, I don't know what to ask you. I don't have a good question for you. Although if you can, if you're watching the video side, we can see your dog behind you. You can see my dog portrait. You can get yours on Etsy. Um, yeah. Make a, make a comment in the podcast and I'll send you the link. But um, in the Midwest, we just say, oh, 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 means everything. It's like, sorry, I bumped into you. Sorry, I forgot your birthday. Good to see you. Didn't mean Didn't to bump into you. you there. Yeah. Didn't mean to bump into you there. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like that. And then we also have in her closet Bethany Taff, which is kind of funny, Bethany, because over your shoulder you can kind of see Stephanie. It's a little bit funny to show like how our office is laid out there. So a little bit of an inside production value if you're watching the video here. I it's uh, we have an open office layout, so we have a uh, we have a phone booth, and Bethany spends a lot of time in the phone booth. Yeah. There's probably no reason that I'm mostly in here and you guys are out there. I don't know why that is. Oh, oh no. (laughs) I know exactly why that is. That's why I work from home. This is why I moved to Seattle. (laughs) Oh, that's like the main reason you moved to Seattle. Wow. Is that like the new Taylor Swift? Like it's me. I'm the, oh, oh, is it me? Oh, oh, got you there. No, I like you guys, but I just come in here sometimes. (laughs) extroverts unite outside of the phone booth yeah and introverts unite separately that's the way that it goes right so all right well and then we also have we've got myself don harkey somebody told me recently they said you never introduce yourself i'm don harkey 
I don't know what else to say there. I don't have any Should special. We ask you a question. Like, I feel like. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Diana. What questions do you have for me? What's your middle name? How dare you? <laughs> Who do you think that you are? <laughs> those, those are my questions. Those are good questions. My middle name is William. Matt, I'll, I'll go to yours. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I knew that. That's what I was asking. Oh, I knew that, but Donald yeah. William Harkey. Donald William. I feel like I'm in trouble because that's the only time I hear those three. Or a graduation, together. right? Isn't that what they did? Donald William Harkey. I don't remember. I think no. there were air horns. <laughs> you know Don that, graduated but... like 30 years ago, so it's hard <laughs> <laughs> to remember yeah. now. Not a lie at all. Actually, 31 now. So that's great. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm depressed and may just kind of sit this one out. And we're going to turn this one over to our host, Matt Griswold, who has three T's in his name for some reason. So Matt Griswold, take it away. I just noticed that. Thank you. Thank you for that. I can edit it if it's going to bother people because I know there's certain people that look at it and they're like, I can't focus on anything else until we get that solved. There you go. Uh, Matt Griswold Tutis, uh, traditional, uh, traditional spelling short for Matthew, which means fun fact, gift from God. You're welcome. All right, so let's get started, shall we? Uh, first, first thing, let's let's talk about Don. You just talked about this idea of I just want to get people on the bus, then we'll figure out what to do with them. You know, uh, it's it, it has been more than on one occasion that uh, I think we should address address this first because some people might have been going, "Well, wait a second, why is that wrong?" I think it's been on more one more than one occasion we've worked with organizations where they are in talent grab mode. Like we don't even have departments yet for these people. We're just going to go grab talent. Are you saying those people are wrong or maybe what's their perspective or their approach that's different? How do you want to decipher what you said in the beginning versus the folks that are like, no, 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 no. We are in talent grab mode. We're trying to grab talent. I don't even care where it's coming from. Great question. So like, let's talk about different organizations because it's a different kind of a game, right? If you're an organization, you have a thousand people inside the organization. And you see somebody that's wildly talented and you know that they can fit into something successful, bringing them in and hiring them and then finding a seat on the bus is a lot less risky, obviously, than if you have 10 people and you're just going to hire somebody really talented and bring them in. However, that's not just about the hiring the person and finding the talent. That's not that's not all that you need to be successful as a company. You can't just say, I'm going to find great people, bring them in and hope they do great work. We need to design the company and put them into roles where they can be successful. So we've seen lots of companies, big and small, bring that rock star in. And that's not the wrong move. The wrong piece is then to say, hey, rock star, go do your thing, be a rock star. And then you leave them alone. And then that rock star tends to move on because it wasn't really defined what they need to do in the organization around them. They weren't set up for success ultimately at the end of the day. So I like, thanks for making that distinction right off the bat. It's a, it can be a really bad mistake. If you have, like we are of a small company, we have six of us, if, there are five of us. If somebody came in and we just said, Oh, you're wildly talented, but we have no idea what role you're going to do. That's going to be really disruptive for them and us. Yeah, some some larger organizations might have other places to hide that person until maybe that that um, actual job where they could shine in might might come uh, you know to light. But in smaller organizations, you're right, it could be detrimental. So there's some there's some background pieces, there's some background work that needs to go into play, which is what we're going to talk about now. I I can't I can't help but also point this out too. I imagine you know one of the hottest topics that we are being asked to go speak about is hiring and retaining talent. Like we're going to do a webinar on that for another group uh, here shortly, Don, within the next couple of weeks, hiring and retaining talent. I can't, I'm listening to the people uh, laughing in their cars going, yeah, 
we we've got to be careful not to hire too many people right now. Ha ha ha. Right. They, they, that's, that's not even a thing. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to comprehend. Like we're having a hard time. We're having to settle for the types of people that we're getting. And it's not even a question of being able to hire too many people. Uh, but the other side of that too is, and Stephanie, you were, you were, you mentioned this idea of kind of a quiet hiring uh, phase there too, where the other side of that coin, and you can talk about this as well. The other side of that coin is we're not looking to to hire people because of, and you can talk about maybe why um, there, but but we have these other resources that are also in play uh, in within within the organization already. We already have some of these resources we can maybe redistribute. How does that maybe talk about this idea of quiet hiring? And then we're going to tie both of these concepts together and talk about both. Yeah, I mean, quiet hiring apparently is the new buzzword. Um, you know, we've heard quiet quitting all these things. Now quiet hiring. And essentially what it means is, you know, an organization would um, look within the organization to accomplish new work. So they there's generally kind of, you know, three different types of hiring of where it's like, oh, we hire because we have this great business need. We need to bring someone in. We don't have someone to do the skills. We've developed a new area of our business that we just need more people than we have now for more business. And then there's kind of this weird third one where it's like, hey, we've got some new and different stuff to do and try, but maybe for financial reasons, we can't bring in um, a completely new person to do this. Or it's like, hey, when we look at the strengths and assets of our team, we think if we just shuffled things around that we would actually be able to accomplish this. So, you know, you might have experienced this before if you're within an organization and, and your leader or manager suddenly comes to you like, hey, we want to kind of shift your role a little bit. And would you, could you come over in this area? And, and it could mean just even changing your role within your own department, or it could mean moving you completely to a different part of the organization to help accomplish something inside the organization or help execute a new idea or a new project. And where, you know, there's some pros and cons with both of this. And I think the cons um, that a lot of workers and employees feel is like, this massive shift just happened. And did I really have a say in it? And what do I do now? I have this role that's unclear and I probably got moved in it. Some really nice compliments were said to me about my skill set and the, what I bring to the team and why they trust me to do this. But suddenly I don't really have clarity on what I'm doing anymore. And now maybe it feels like the work that I was doing before isn't as important because you're willing just to give it to someone else. So it's kind of a tricky place as an employee to, to be in. And I don't know if anybody else wants to chime in and kind of share about their experiences of doing this and really how we can manage this if, if we are the person that's going through this process. Also, you know, just to add on that, and then we can open here too, but I also think, you know, you talked about the cons, part of the pros, because I, again, I always, I always try to anticipate the listener's reaction as you're listening to this going, wait a second. She said, were we painting hiring and promoting from within as a bad thing? No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not, that's not the hiccup, right? That's not the bad thing. In fact, I think that's a good best practice. If you have the talent there promoting within, hiring within succession planning, we're pro all of those things, right? As long as the talent, uh, as long as the talent is there. Uh, another pro is that if I can do that, I might even be able to save a little bit of money instead of having to rehire and retrain and bring other people in. Like I understand where the pros are coming from, but what we're really talking about are kind of those pit, those pitfalls, right? Is that we're talking about some of those cons in this case. If I am the employee and internally, maybe you're having those executive meetings and you're going, we need to, we need to replace some of these uh, actions without hiring somebody. You know what? Uh, Janice is great. Janice is great. She probably has a little bit more bandwidth. She's proven to be great here. Let's just 
add some more responsibilities there. Everything we've thrown at Janice, Janice succeeds. And then we add more responsibilities to Janice. And then Janice at first, maybe how, uh, let me just ask you, how's Janice feeling in that moment? Initially? I think it's, it's complicated, right? <laughs> yeah. And Diana, you can, can jump in and say something too, because on one hand, it feels nice to be recognized, but then on the other hand, now there's like this confusion of, did I, is this a promotion or are you just asking me to pitch in on a project? Like what's really happening with my role here? Yeah. And I was going to say this used to happen to me a lot because I am pretty flexible. I can do a lot of things and, you know, where you're needed, you're needed. And so you kind of take on 900 things and then you stop and you look and you're like, um, I don't have priorities anymore. And I don't, know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I can't feel successful because nothing is ever really complete. And I feel a little lost, but I like doing a lot of things. And I like that people value my contributions and think that I am good at my work. And so it is really complicated feeling because you're like, yes, I love this and also hate it. I'm really glad we stopped doing that to you, right, Diana? Yeah, you in a thousand different places with a bunch of expectations, right? I mean, so. it's less so now. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That sounded so sad. It's less so. <laughs> I think I know a little bit of what I'm doing. I have, I, I have managed thus far, and I will continue to do so and raise my hand when I can't. I think there's some of that, and I like that, you know. Matt's original point of like, you know, there it's different for different organizations, right? Uh, like there's a little bit of hashtag small business where people have to cover a lot of different roles, but that doesn't mean that's good, right? That doesn't mean it's good. And one of the things that I think we've learned and where we've seen the most growth and the most success is that when we have taken our team and allowed us to focus in the areas that we do really well, uh, that that's something that every time we make that investment and say, let's, let's expand our team or let's focus our team or let's area that and leverage that instead of bringing in a whole bunch of Jack of all trades. So like Dan, Diana, I mean, like, let's use you as an example here a little bit, like you work with clients, you are COO, you are, you do their financials or accounting or HR. Uh, you do a lot of our operational stuff. You do a lot of our technology stuff. I mean, it's all of that. And so it would be tempting sometimes for businesses to say, okay, Diana is overloaded. So I need to buy, hire another person that does all of those things. Well, you're kind of setting up a whole team of people to fail ultimately here if you keep adding people to this department to do all of these things. The right answer, and again, this is why we say you get the right, don't just add people to the bus and then get them in the right seat. Sometimes you have to take a little bit of, take a step back and say, how can we arrange these seats a little bit differently? How can we make sure that there is a seat that is there enough of a role now if we if it's more work than what Diana can do, maybe there is a piece, I, I didn't even mention marketing, you do marketing, maybe there's a piece like in marketing where we could add, add somebody and get some help in the marketing side or add somebody that can just do the operation side or whatever that is. And then you can kind of split roles up a little bit. The more you create the fit for the person and the role together, the better it is for the person and it is for the company. And it's not just about having the great person in, in place, which Diana is awesome and just why she can handle all of those things. But yeah, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge too, a lot of things you're saying are still reality. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks. But yeah, I, I do think that for the person, it starts to feel like you're not really successful at anything. You're not really great at anything. You have no like unique value. And so when people say like, well, Diana, what's your strengths? I'm like, I... 
yikes, I don't even know anymore. It used to be this thing, but I haven't touched that in months. I don't, I don't know if I'm good at that anymore. Right now I'm muddling through this thing because I'm picking it up and I'm learning. So I don't know if I'm good at that. And so it does cause this strange thing where you, where people know you're good, but you yourself are kind of confused about what you're really good at. Yeah. And meanwhile, meanwhile, the organization that's made the decision to continue to add the responsibilities, not people centric, we'll quit using Diana as an example, but, uh, use, you know, organizations that continue to add the responsibilities at maybe a higher level, they're thinking, okay, this is great. We solved that problem, right? We solved it. Fantastic. They're doing great work. And like Diana's to Diana's point, initially, you're kind of, you kind of wear it like a badge, like, mm, like they trust me with this. This is great. And then until they wake up one morning and they're going, this sucks. Why am I doing all of these different things? Like, why am I being tasked with all of these different things? And now <laughs> two things. Now this thing that I'm doing and this thing I'm doing are so not related at all. It's a total mind switch or flip for me to wait. I have to do this. Okay. This is a whole different day and I'm doing something completely different. I have to switch my mind to go, to go do this. Now I think, you know, to a certain point, you know, we, we all can probably relate to what that that is and what that feels like. And so I think part of this is understanding. We understand why organizations try to make those decisions that they do, but they also need to understand maybe the ramifications to the employee. If you are making some of those decisions and then how do I manage, how do I manage that? Sometimes it comes down to transparency transparency and bringing them along for the ride of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Stephanie. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say of like, Hey, if you're in a position where you have to do this, cause this happens sometimes. And we're not like faulting any organization for doing this. Um, we're just saying, I think like put some intentionality behind it and make sure you're really communicating with that person. Why this is happening, not just why you value value them. Cause I think what I'm hearing everybody say is like the compliments feel really nice and the badge is great, but it's kind of short-lived. And then after a certain point that becomes your point of criticism, right. Of like, well, now I'm never getting the wins. Now I'm never really getting my roses. So to say, because I keep shifting and moving stuff around and I never really get to enjoy what I'm doing. So be sure you're communicating with that person. If you need to do this within your organization of like, here's what we're hoping this will accomplish. And it's almost like creating a whole new scorecard in that sense for this person that even though their role might touch a lot of different areas now, and it's going to be a little more broad of still giving them those pieces that they can latch onto to say, I know what's expected of me and I know how to do a really great job. I know what winning looks like um, in, and is this a season and this is kind of a project period, or this is maybe where we're shifting organizationally for a while. Cause then that also also help the employee know how they should respond to it of, okay, if it's more project-based then this is maybe an opportunity for me to build some new skill sets and try out different things in different areas of the organization, or if it's going to be more permanent, then maybe I can use that as a moment to talk about promotions and growth within the company that I would like to see for myself. And could we incorporate this into what we're doing right now? Yeah, it comes down to that. It comes down to that transparency in the conversation. I, I say this quite a bit too. the, you know, adults uh, for the most part are okay. If the answer is no, as long as they know why the answer is no. So if they're, if they're going, was this a permanent thing or not? I, I can, I can imagine there's executives going, well, this is why we're doing it, but I can't tell them that like we're doing it because of this. 
I don't have the funds to be able to hire somebody. I can't tell them. I can't tell them we don't have enough money to hire somebody. Or, uh, you know, just because you don't say it doesn't mean their mind stops working. It doesn't mean they've already thought of a reality that's probably way worse in their own minds than the actual reality of the situation. And so you will do yourself a favor if you kind of bring them along for the ride. I could think of Don doing this on more than one occasion going, yeah, you know what? We're in this time right now. We'll call it this sucks. Um, that's what we're in right now. It's going to hurt for probably just a little bit, but here's light at the end of the tunnel. And this is why I'm saying there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like come along for the ride with me. And so for those employees that we are tasking with, um, you know, multiple different things, I would, I would also say this, and, and you can add, add to it if you'd like, or go a different direction, but you know, something that I ask organizations, especially new organizations that we begin to work with, how many of those employees are currently working outside of the original job description that they were hired for anyway? the majority of them, I bet. And I bet they haven't even seen it since they were hired. Or maybe maybe you had them sign it during some sort of HR process or orientation process. That thing is long gone, right? We have, we have morphed along the way, um, sometimes out of necessity, but Don, this might go to that next point too. Um, that it, and, and the talent grab we were talking about there, but there are certain steps before I just make that decision, whether it's the internal person, we should give them these responsibilities. I don't know, should you? And you kind of touched on this, but um, you know, sometimes the, the, the gut reaction is we lost that person. We need to immediately fill that person now with the best possible talent that we can get. And sometimes that job description that that person was working under was created 10 or 12 years ago. And you don't take an opportunity to take a step back and go, do, do we though? Like how has our business changed? And maybe there's a strategic planning element that might go into that too. Yeah, there's a moment I think where, I mean, here's what typically happens. At some point you sat down and thought about that. And you probably thought about it, most companies probably realistically thought about it with existing people that they had in place. So you had people and you said, how can I clearly capture what it is that those individual people do? when? And that that's okay for those people. But then when the people switch, you're not taking piece, puzzle pieces that are perfectly interchangeable together. And that stuff doesn't get updated. And the second piece is maybe that's not the best way to design your organization either. Sometimes you need to take a step back and maybe blur your eyes for a second and decide what is it that you need, not what is it just that you have. Now, I'm not saying that fire all of your people, figure out what it is you need and start all over again. But I think there's a little bit of an iterative process. If you took a step back and said, if I was redesigning our company today, not for, forget about who I have and I lost every single person, what would it look like? And draw yourself like a little org chart and lay it out like that. And it might look very different than what you have today. And then take that old org chart that you just created and look at the one that you have today and start to then merge those things together. And then think about how can you move the pieces that you have into places? Oh, this makes a lot more sense. This person could do this. And I think if you follow that process every now and then as an executive in the company, I think you can deliberately design the machine. We often talk about the organization's a machine that's perfectly designed to get the results that it's getting right now. If you want to get different results, you have to redesign it. This is the redesign. And I think it's really, we often talk about culture and engagement and things like that. And this is an understated impact uh, that we see in organizations where it's, you have all these demands. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm just I'm pausing to see if I wanted to code this, how much I wanted to code this. I'll heavily code it since I'm not sure whether I should or not. An acquaintance of mine was talking to a company uh, is in college and they saw a presentation from a company in college and they were presenting to a group of uh, analytical people. And they said, we need really great analytical people, very people driven, very good personalities, 
They need to be great at, they should be able to sell. They should be able to know the math. They should be able to dive into the details. They should be very organized. They should be everything. And when that company left, the person that I know was talking to the other people in, in the class and said, they laughed because they're like, who the heck is, are you looking for? Who's analytical and great with people and also great with details and strategically minded and can sell? Like, who is that person that can do all of those different things? And I think it's a lot of that is because they're just describing like their, their traits of all of their best employees all into one and they're looking for a unicorn. And that's a big mistake. So I think you have to take a step back. And if you haven't done this in a while, this is, I think it's really going to be beneficial for your company. If you take a minute, take a step back, blur your eyes, think about what, how you would design the company if you didn't have the people that you have now. And then think realistically as you create those roles, does that human really even exist? Do you need the highly data analytical, super organized person who can dance, sing, also perform art and skydive and all of those? And Matt's nodding his head like I can do all those things. You lost uh, me at skydiving. I can't do I can't do the sky. No, no chance. I try not to put my situations where I might die. And that's one of those, that's one of those situations. Bethany, can I, can I piggyback on this though with you? Cause I know that you look a lot of, you like to look at the org designs. And I know this is where Don's kind of going here too. This is that puzzle piece, right? So as we continue to add the responsibilities to the people internally, uh, now they might be doing stuff for this person and they might be doing stuff for this person now. And we talked about maybe the diff, the, the hard part that that employee might have, but what does that do structurally or culturally, the more they continue to add without really taking a, a picture of that org design itself? Where do we see maybe mistakes with that and that that people can uh, potentially watch out for? So how does it impact the structure when they have continued things are being added to a person's yeah, not job? Only structure, but like, not only structurally, but like culturally, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, the, the employee might say this is difficult or this sucks. I'm yeah. this person. Now I have to do this thing here. But like if I'm a business owner or if I'm the CEO of the company, I might just be looking at a very high level of like, these are just the crap I got to get done. Right. These are just the tasks I have to get done. I don't care who's doing it. We just got to take take a look at that. But then when you look at it, you know, like an org chart where they're like, yeah, these are all the people and doing all the things like. I don't know if there's there are there some things that you can see like this is clearly sideways or maybe this is cleaner and this is what you're this is what you want to consider from a, a perspective like that. Yeah. Well, I'll try to answer the question how I think how I think perfect how you're, you're going to nail it. Um but let me know if there if I'm not answering it the, the way that you're looking for. But I mean I think you would naturally just start to see people um being confused about like who who do I report to about this thing? If it's something that that belonged to my boss that now belongs to this person, like do I talk to this person about this now or do I still talk to my boss? Is that person my boss? So we kind of have some of those things. Sometimes it's also like um process, just process changes now. So I would I can think of some, I can think of a specific example um, with an organization we work with where um a new position was hired for. Um, it was kind of a similar situation that we've talked about where they were, they were, they were like a talent grab. They were a really talented person. They had a lot of experience at another location. Um, and they were brought into this organization with not a super clear role. Um, and so now coming in, they're kind of trying to do their best with with what they think they're supposed to be doing, but it also creates a lot of um, confusion for other people about the process that that they had been following. And so now it's the question of like, okay, now that this person is here, do they take on this part of the process now? And am I not supposed to do that anymore? Because nobody's really clarified that. And so I think those are some of the issues that I've seen specifically with this. 
Yeah. And, and I know Bethany looks at that quite a bit for us, for other companies too. And it's amazing the stuff that you can kind of read. Um, you know, I was going to say it's like reading a poem, but no, it's different than that. I think, it, you know, you're looking at the org chart and Bethany is able to look at that and say, this seems like a problem, or this seems like a problem, or this would be frustrating. And to an organization or a CEO or an executive team, they're like, well, we, we, man, we just work hard. We just have to do stuff, but they don't realize the, 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 uh, impact that it's having on, on the people. I like how you said the process changed too. That person might have been great, but the process changed since you put the person there. And now the person's not as great. Uh, process change also plays into that too. So I think I think overall what we're saying is it, quiet, quiet hiring is not a new concept. Sometimes we have to establish different responsibilities to different people. Sometimes those jobs morph into other jobs. Sometimes you can't afford to hire other people to be able to back, uh, you know, backfill there, but bring them along for the ride. And we're also not saying that just get the people on the bus is a horrible idea, but there has to be some strategy planning that maybe goes along uh, along into that ahead of time too. Can I add one more piece to that, Matt? I also think like when you think about getting the right people on the bus, I think the piece that I have the biggest pain for is what the right person is. If you say the right person is independent of the bus, that there are right people or wrong people out there, I think that is a very old management philosophy that has been absolutely proven to be wrong. There are not people that are universally good workers and people that are universally bad workers. There are people that are good fits to different jobs. I We have seen people be terribly uh, successful in one job and then be terribly unsuccessful in another job and vice versa. It's it's There's a fit to it. It's a combination of the two things. It really is. Now, there are, does that mean that there are people that are more likely to be successful in more of a wider variety of jobs? Absolutely. That's why we interview. That's why we talk to people. That's why we ask about work history. But this philosophy that there's either are two kinds of workers, there's good workers and there are bad workers, and we just have to find the good ones and then pitch the bad ones is an old style of management. And you are going to fail as an organization thinking that way, because the good people won't want to work for you. There we go. That was the truth bomb. Sorry. Yeah. That, pew, 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 pew. that was the sound effect. Diana, have you been working on that sound effect for the truth bomb yet? I no? have been working on it. <laughs> I can't wait. You just did the air horn thing. <laughs> you on the say truth I bomb. Have not. I have not. Oh, she said she has. I can't wait. No. It's going to be great. Uh, stay tuned. Stay yeah, tuned. Stay tuned for the sound effects. <laughs> I, think, I think Diana just got quiet hired to do the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's on my list. It just, the list is very long. So it's, yeah. it's down there, you know, I'll get to it eventually. So, so this is one of those unique topics where it's like, yeah, so, so right. And, you know, there's no like, so this is right. This is wrong. We're saying, I get why you do this. And sometimes there's a need to do that. And I get why you think that. And sometimes there's a need to think that, but there are some precautionary steps that you would want to take ahead of time. Like really think about the organization, take a snapshot of that org chart. Are we still functioning the way that, that we are intended to function? Do we not like the out Don talked about the machine in the beginning? Are we producing the outcomes we're hoping to produce? Otherwise, if we're not, why am I continuing to backfill the same things? There might be a more of a radical change that we need to have as an organization, those people that we're tasking with, those people, those employees, let's bring them along for the ride. Let's be transparent about the things that we can do, the things that we can't do. And this is why um, I would also say this, Don does a great job with this. I would also say this, if I am in a situation as an organization where it feels like I have to task other people with things, 
show appreciation for the things you recognize that this is not something that you, you know, that you normally do, that you like to do, that you were hired to do. The show appreciation for saying, but I appreciate you doing this because overall, this is where we need you uh, now. And we're better because you're doing that. Um, and so you know, I think that goes a long way with your employees as well. So other things to add to this topic, or do you feel like you that we have covered uh, covered this topic well? I'm excited that we got to talk about this because I just think that it is a misnomer. And I've heard that, that, you know, Jim Collins has got some great stuff in that book. So please don't hear this as we are Jim Collins haters. And we've even pitched his book a little bit here and do recommend it. But I think that that statement is too simplified to say, and I think you probably agree listening to this is my guess, actually, that you start with the right people, get them on the bus and then figure out what seats that they go to. That is a recipe for uh, a lack of success. Um, so a lack of a recipe for a lack of success. Mm, sounds that is, delicious. Yeah. We understand what you're yeah, saying. You get what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. If the wheels on the bus don't go around, you got to move people around. So, mm, yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's just as bad. <laughs> That's the way the cookie bounces sometimes, I think is what we're saying, guys. All right. So, exactly. <laughs> hopefully, you have a takeaway, at least some little nugget of truth that you can uh, either either apply for yourself or share with somebody else. Maybe you know somebody going through that. Maybe you're an employee, and it's not you, but this is happening to a peer of yours that's also an employee that feels like, man, I just feel the the weight of this. Maybe you're a manager. Maybe you're a new manager that's being tasked with having to spread some of those responsibilities. I would just encourage you to bring those folks along for the ride. They're probably much more loyal uh, and engaged uh, than than what you're giving them credit for uh, to this point. Too. But there's detriment if we are not transparent with the communication and we don't think this out uh, ahead of time before we just start acting. Uh, so, so just take some of those. Hopefully, hopefully you can take those things into consideration. Keep sharing our podcast. We love the interaction. Uh, listen uh, closely here to the outro so you can find out how to give us more ideas or other ideas for topics. Or if you just have questions we haven't covered um, as well, we're happy to entertain those and respond as well. We love you, right? We 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 love you. Bye. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.